Well, in the beginning, it seemed like um, I was having some trouble trying to figure out if it was something I had a desire to do or something God was calling me to do. Um, but what it kept being presented to me over and again. And uh, we do a lot of riding, and so we're around a, lot of, a large group of people that ride. And we're always talking about Christ, and you'd be surprised how many people are hungry uh, to, to talk about the Lord. These are your average people. Um, we have everybody here from, I mean, they're, they're people who ride. Um, obviously, they're, they're bikers. People that normally, I have a lot of people tell me that, that I would never, they, they say I would never step into a church, I'd never go to a Sunday service, but I'll come to this. And, but I'm what I call a service minister, and that I can give them the, um, the outer perimeters of what they're looking for. And then from that, we always encourage them to join us on Sundays. And, and Brandy will throw out the, the times for the services on, on Sundays and uh, encourage them to come to the, the Christmas uh, uh, service and, and, and get them in here so they can, they can take a step further in. Every tattoo I have on me is Christ-based, um, it's Christian. It's, it's to, it usually draws questions, especially um, for those looking for Christ. I mean, here's a guy, and he's, he's got a shaved head and a go long goatee, and he's got all these rings and the tattoos and everything. And these are things that I can talk about, especially with people who ride. You start talking about tattoos, and it's, it's kind of a gateway into talking about Christ. Uh, sometimes we, you know, like the average human person, you don't, you don't feel worthy, you know, and we feel that... Um, a lot of our friends have, over the last several years, they've, they've looked to us for guidance, for kind of um, mentors, the spiritual leaders of the group, and so uh, that part's surprising, and so you don't want to let them down. But uh, My hopes is to, um, I tally up how many people give a life to Christ every week. Uh, I've always prayed, you know, this, uh, you know, God's will, and I, and I don't know what God's purpose is in this, uh, what His will is. It, it could be just reaching one person, it could be reaching more. My um, hopes is to bring as many people to Christ, um, to spread the gospel to as many people as we possibly can um, for as long as God uses us in this area. Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today. And th that video is really a cool moment uh, that we've been working at uh, more or less for a year or so. Uh, Dave and Brandy came to the leadership of the church some time ago and said, we feel like God might be calling us to do this with, with our friends and the people who don't know Jesus, and they're all bikers, but you're never going to get them here on a Sunday or a Saturday night, you know, regular church, what could we do? And so just trying to see how God could work through them and use that passion that they have. It's been a great experience to see how that's come together. And so we're very glad. And by the way, if you would like to join them, they have some 30, 40, sometimes as many 60 people on, th on Thursday nights now gathering for worship, most of them unchurched. We've had so many of them come to Christ that we're actually planning a special worship um, baptism service for all the bikers. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. So congratulations on that. At last count, at last count, it's more than 20 have given their lives to Christ. So you can't beat that, can you? You can't beat that in any way. So that's great stuff. So we're, I want to spend some time with, in Scripture with you today, and we're going to look at the book of Psalms today, right in the middle of the Bible. Psalms chapter 90 is where we're going to look in a few minutes. I'd invite you to grab one. And uh, for those of you in this room, they're in the pew rack in front of you. For those of you in the East Auditorium, we're very glad you're with us as well today, that one big congregation meeting in two settings. And uh, you'll find that there's somebody rolling around, I would think, with a cart. Or oh, they're not rolling around, they're rolling the cart around. And, <laughs> there's a Bible there if you'd like to grab one. And uh, you can see the page number on the screens, okay? 
And uh, I, I just want to say uh, before I start that many people have talked to Leslie and I, Leslie and me, regarding um, this news that we got. Well, we've known for some time, but we were able to announce just recently that our daughter is going to have our first grandchild. And I just want to say thank you for your. Yeah. Thanks for your prayers and your congratulations in that regard. I can hardly wait. Apparently, sometime in February, we're going to learn if it's going to be a boy or a girl, and I can hardly wait because I don't know if I'm going to be a grandma or a grandpa yet. But <laughs> once we learn that, we'll find that out, all right? So it'll be, I'll let you know as soon as that news comes along. I'd like to uh, start our time together today before we get to Psalm 90 by uh, telling you the story of a, a man um, that uh, is known in history. And I'm going to use this rope to show you the timeline, or if you will, the picture of what his life looks like. And I've got some able-bodied helpers here. There you go. There's another end here. And um, so if you were to look at his life from start to finish, um, he started off fairly well like most people, and that is he was born. Most people are like that, right? But, uh, but as, as things went along, it didn't go so well because very quickly, long story short, his parents had to abandon him. And he literally, if we'll draw, draw there we go. Thanks, Matt. It didn't go so well. His, his, his life became quite precarious after that birth. But then it wasn't long till after that, coming a little closer, uh, Josh, we're going to need you. We're, so we got a, a bad moment here, but something really cool happened, and that is somebody adopted him. Yeah, they were looking good. So you can see some ups and downs. As a matter of fact, if you go high, the person who adopted him was royalty. And she happened to be a princess. And uh, she raised him in the royal household. And life was really, really good for quite a while. Until uh, one day he made, if you will, a terrible error. And he got angry and he murdered a fellow. Okay, that's not good. That's not good. I mean, even if you are an adopted prince. And he murdered a guy, and he spent about 40 years running from the law. A long time running from the law. And he's literally out running away from the law. And he came across this thing out in the desert. And it looked like it was, well, it seemed supernatural. And in the midst of that supernatural stuff, he got this voice, this thing said to him, this, if it was God perhaps, who said, I need you to go back home. But don't you know I'm a murderer? I need you to go back home. I want you to deal with the slaves who are there. Now, this nation had been built on the backs of slavery. And we know there were some one to three million slaves within that nation. And it was his responsibility, according to this voice there in the desert, to go back and fix that. And so he went back, and he actually did bring three, somewhere between one and three million slaves out of slavery. You know his name by any chance? Moses. Some of you may remember the cartoon or the, the movie, The Prince of Egypt, right? And for the most part, with lots of ups and downs yet, he entered his life at a pretty high note. Pretty good high note, okay? So, can you, Josh, we're going to be done with you for the time being. Thank you. Good job. Good job. So you know that there's, if I want you to see, is this, there's this arc to Moses' story where he starts off where he's got some dips, but then it ends very high. I want to talk with you today about the arc of the storyline of your life. How do we create an arc 
to the storyline of our lives that works well, that goes somewhere, that isn't just a flatland. Can you guys make this really tight and really, not tug of war. Well, you could try tug of war if you want. See, I want my life to be way more than just I'm born and I carry along for a little while, a long while, I hope, and then I die. Now, what would it take, what would it take for me to, if you will, instead of me holding tightly to the ends of my life and saying, I'm going to manage everything and thus end up with a really flat, non-adventuresome life, if I want some adventure and some really good moments in my life, i got to be willing to put some slack in my life, right? Coming in, guys? And i got to be willing, well, if I do slack without any support, i got a really rough life. It's going this way. But what if I could get the right kind of support? Okay, guys, make us a nice big arc. There we go. You know what? I'm not liking where this is going. Can we, can we make this really high so I end on a high note? So somewhere along the line, I get this really lovely look up in life, and I go, I go all the way to the end of my life. And I say, man, what, what am I going to do? Here's an observation for you, friends. We can hold tight. You guys flatline one more time. We can hold this and hold on to our lives so tight and never have room for adventure. And we end up with just a flat line. Or we can say, okay, I'm going to let God be in charge. And I'm going to let God support what's going to happen. And I'm going to let God give me some ability to make godly, spirit-led decisions for my life and for the things that are in front of me. And with God interacting with me in my life, the arc of my story can go up. Because like you, I want my story to be better than more than just I'm born, I live, and I die. I want the story of my life to reflect good things and to reflect adventure and to reflect decisions that, are, that honor God and that are supported by God and that reflect God's work in my life. How do you do that? Well, let's take a look at Psalm 90. But can you thank these guys for ably, ably helping me out today? Good job, guys. So Psalm 90, uh, we're going to read it together, please, if we will. And because uh, it's got some ways in which we can put this together. If you read with me Psalm 90, we read this in verse 1. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You turned people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. That quickly, a thousand years goes by in front of God, or like a watch in the night. You sweep away people in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new. By the evening, it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've said our iniquities, namely our, the things we've done wrong, the choices that have, we've made that have gone poorly, and the bad choices we've made. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. In other words, you see everything and all, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. If we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. So in light of all of that, in light of God that you're in charge, what should we do? Well, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. And here's the overall prayer. This is where we're going to end the service today with this passage of Scripture as our benediction. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In other words, God, may you create this ark of our lives so that you work in us and through us and that we use our hands and our abilities and our vocations, our talents, all of us, all of who we are, may you establish that so it goes somewhere. You know, scholars believe this passage of Scripture we've just read is probably from Moses' pen. You know, the guy whose timeline we just drew? His story, his story we just graphed? They believe that he wrote this, and if so, we see his life described with how that rope line influences this text. There were some bad days, and yet there were some good days, and yet he would have to say in the long run, it's quite obvious God, given the way it all ended, and one or three million people left, brought out of slavery and all that sort of stuff. It really worked really well. But even if it's not written by Moses, there's great wisdom here. Because this passage of Scripture is about the overall view of life. It's a view of life with room for God to be engaged. Notice verse 1 and 2 indicate that God's plan is being revealed moving forward. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, before I was born, before the world came into existence, you brought forth the whole earth from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. God's plan is revealed moving forward for us, but God knows it both ends, backwards and forwards. See, that's different than you and me. There are only two things that I know for certain. For certain, I know where I am today and what's going on in my life right now. I know what's happening right now. I'm right now, I think as far as I know, it's the 24th of January, and I'm right here at First Christian Church, unless it's a, you're all a figment of my imagination, which I don't think you are. For the most part, I know where I am today, and I have some recollections of where I've been in the past. But God's different than that. God knows the beginning and the end. If God didn't know it all, then that's no kind of God that I want to serve. That's no kind of God I want to worship. But if you and I allow this God who knows the beginning and the end to shape the arc of our story, you know what happens? We tap into his knowledge for the best moments moving forward. And I'd much rather have his knowledge and his ability to see. I'd rather have his stuff directing my future versus my best guesses about the days ahead. That's where we're going today. And so you say, well, why are we looking at this today? Well, uh, you, those of you from First Christian Church who have you've been with us for some time, you know that this past summer uh, marked 30 years for me in pastoral ministry. I was in July. And I took some time in July to kind of go back and think, okay, what have I learned in 30 years of ministry? And what have I seen? What, what's happened? And so forth and so on. And um, it was plain to me that there were some things that I would say, as I was thinking about those, the people I've met and the issues they've brought to me, there, there are some common things that people have said to me over the years. And frankly, common requests for prayer that people have brought to me. And as I was cataloging that in really five different ways that people have said to me, hey, Wayne, would you pray about this matter? And it's usually over these five areas, relationships or health, direction, like how do they create a better life story, their spirituality, and their finances. And this series reflects those common prayers, those common needs that all of us have. 
And so as we were coming into this throughout the winter, um, as the winter began, and we, we uh, thought, well, these are common threads throughout all of our lives. And I approached the elders and all the staff, and we all knew this was coming. And we began praying for you and for these areas of your life a number of weeks ago. And so one of the ways in which we did that was we created these little bracelets that we've been wearing for the last five or six weeks, seven weeks, I don't know, long time now, praying about specifically about those five areas in your life. And you know that we are saying if you'd like to join us in that, not only praying for you but for others, then you've, we've invited you to make these little bracelets as well. As a matter of fact, uh, in, the, uh, in the aisles today, there are cups that are full of those threads. And we'd invite you to grab one of those cups. There should be there somewhere. And pass them along and start tying them on. I've seen them around people's wrists. I've seen them. We're up to three threads now, okay, if you've just joined us. I've seen them around people's wrists. I saw one guy I've had them around his water bottle. He carries his water bottle everywhere. I see... I I've seen them around key rings and tied around purses and everything. And what they are, are ways in which we can remember to pray about these needs. And I want you to be aware of this, that when you feel that around your wrist or you come across that on your purse or whatever the case may be, I want you to be affirmed. Be affirmed. There are people praying for your needs right now. And you may need to get your, if you want to tie it around your wrist, you may need to get your neighbor to help you with that. And... Um, I, I'm wearing this, I've worn it now for a number of weeks, and every time I come across it, I remember the people of First Christian Church. And I remember, I'm praying for the various needs in the life of our church along these five common areas. <laughs> Some of you heard Pastor Brian say about whenever he's got it and it gets wet and he likes washes his hands or, you know, it, it, it gets all wet and clammy. He's got this wet, clammy thing around his wrist. He's reminded of the people of First Christian Church. I'm not saying anything like that. But I want you to be aware, we're remembering you, we are praying for you, and I'd invite you to join with us. If you haven't got three threads yet, you'd, there's the ones from the, the various colors from the weeks past can be found at the Welcome Center. On a side note in this matter of prayer, can I just do a little jog to, the, to, to one side for a minute? See, I'm quite convinced that it's not only you who needs prayer coverage, you as an individual. But our whole congregation needs prayer coverage. And so a number of months ago, we put together some prayer teams that we said, would you guys please consider praying for the services as they are occurring? And right now, there are a group of people upstairs in the education wing, and they are praying for both auditoriums right now, that the Spirit of God would be discovered by all of us in these rooms. And I'd like to invite you to be part of those teams. If you'll look in your program today, you'll see there's a place on the flap that tears off. It says next step, that's green. There's a description of that prayer ministry. And if you would like to, we'd love to know that you would join that team up there and pray during the worship services. And um, <laughs> some of you are gonna go, well, that's a long time to pray, Wayne. I mean, aren't the services like an hour and 10 minutes long? Yeah, and then you pray for, you know, 70 minutes. Well. You can come and go as you need. In the elders meeting this past week, one of the elders said, you know, guys, remember, I'm from the Sesame Street generation. I can't sit still for all that long. I have to reset my mind every 20 seconds. Well, if that's you, we've got some things planned for you. There's a list up there of prayer lists. There are prayer prompts. And there are even, even up there, there's a, there's a sheet of paper that we have uh, here on stage, as we're going through our worship service, it looks like this. It kind of gives, a, it's basically an order of service. We make certain we're where we need to be, when we need to be there. It's all up there, and I invite you to be part of that. Seriously. Maybe you've never, could you take a run at that? 
and be part of our prayer warrior team that gathers during the, um, the worship services. Because here's what I'm convinced, that as they pray, God moves in these rooms. God moves in these rooms, in our lives. They are praying, I'm praying, the elders are praying as well, that your life story will be a better story than the one you've planned. That really the arc of your story will be one that goes somewhere rather than just a flat line. That you'll be able to bring the ends in and say, God, I'm leaving you room. I'm leaving some flex in my life for you to bring great moments into my life. I mean, really, that's what you see in Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, in light of how we live our lives, and it could be a flat line, he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to take a look at everything that's in front of us and make certain that we're, we're, we're being taught by you, God. I mean, th- there are decisions that I have in front of me, some of you say. Like some of you this week, you've got to make decisions about your career. Is it time for a move? Uh, some, I know, are presently, right now, we have people in our congregation saying, should I marry that man or that woman who's really caught the attention of my heart? Is it time to buy a new house? That's a decision that some people face. Is it time to have more children or to begin having children? Is it time, okay, I've got this medical issue and I've got to figure out what doctor to choose to get advice from. Some in the room are asking, is, is there a viable plan for retirement for me? How far off is that? And I need to make wise decisions in that regard. Others saying, is it time to downsize? And there are even some I know who are facing the weirdest decision that you never thought you'd face. And you say, what burial plot am I going to buy? Right? That's taking place. How do you make those kinds of decisions in light of, I want God to create the story? Well, go back to verse 12 again. It says, teach us to number our days. You know, teaching is different than God doing it for us. Teaching implies a timeline, a process, an interaction between God and us. And I want that interaction so that when those decisions come along, that there are some ways in which God influences both the big decisions and the little decisions. I want God engaged in all those matters. And that comes from my willingness to say, God, you can teach me. It comes from my willingness to say, God, you can have access to my life through Jesus Christ. And Lord, moment by moment, Because, friends, I'm quite convinced of this. God definitely wants to be engaged in your life, but he will only get engaged at your invitation. And that invitation has to involve your willingness to be a student. Because having someone teach you involves you or me learning and listening and, if you will, even experimenting. So if that's the case, you say, okay, I'm willing for the ends to come in. I'm willing to have a little prop from God, if you will, and create a better story. How does God teach me? Well, some would uh, say very quickly, well, you should look at Scripture, and that's very appropriate. But I would say for some that seems like too much of a, you know, it's a pat answer. Because there are some, maybe this is you, you have very little knowledge of Scripture, and maybe you don't know a lot. And sometimes when we don't have a lot of information and knowledge of Scripture, we can misuse it. We can treat Scripture like a, like a fortune cookie and say, I'll crack open the fortune cookie and hopefully it will give me the right word for the day. And if I like that fortune, I'm going to hold on to it. And if I don't, it's going to go in the, in the plate in front of me and I'm going to walk away from it as we leave the restaurant. That's sometimes how people approach Scripture. It's kind of, well, you've heard of the punt and peck 
situation, haven't you? Where, God, I need to know what to do. And you take your Bible. They say scripture tells you what to do. And I'll close my eyes and, and you'll find the answer, right? That doesn't always work out. Because what if you were to find the answer comes from Matthew 27 as you flip open your Bible where it says that Judas went away and hung himself. I'm not doing that. That's got to be the wrong one, so I'm going to try a different one. And you come across Luke 10 that says, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What? I'm not doing that. So again, I say, oh, I'm going to take a third one. And you end up, John 13 says, whatever you do, do quickly. You got a problem if you use scripture that way, right? It's not a good approach. But may I suggest that you, saying we should look to Scripture to say it's just a pat answer is really not appropriate either. Because in, in the reality is, some time in Scripture is always very helpful because Scripture shapes our knowledge of God's character and how God approaches life. See, Scripture says that God could have remained aloof, far off from humanity. He is God after all and we're not. And there's no reason that we should give room, that, pardon me, that we, there's no reason that we could give to God that would say, hey God, you need to be engaged in my life. It's, you have to be engaged in my life and I'm making a demand of that. We don't have any reason to be able to say that. But God in his great grace and mercy through Jesus Christ chose to not remain aloof. He came close to us. It's called God in the flesh. His name is Jesus, that holy name of Jesus. And there's something within Scripture that says that, hey, if you will pay attention to this God who came close, you can learn some things in Scripture. Because in Scripture, something is mentioned 300 times, more than 300 times. There's a statement that's made, and it says this, God said, and then it says what God says. 300 times throughout Scripture, God says, this is what to do. And as we listen to what God said in Scripture, we learn about how we should live our lives. Not the hunt and peck way, but through some constant, consistent reading and thinking and evaluating. And as we listen to what God said in Scripture, we learn about our discipleship and our ability to, grow, to hear grows. See, because sometimes matters and decisions about careers or children or houses or relationships or purchases or finances, they are less, if you will, about decisions and more about discipleship. Sometimes the decisions aren't always the point because discipleship is the key when it comes to the choices that God puts in front of us. It's not always about a yes or no answer. More so, it's about our willingness to say, God, shape the desires of my heart to reflect the desires of your heart. God, may, may who I am be shaped so much by you that really whatever I would choose reflects you and creates that great storyline for me. It's a moment-by-moment -moment learning. It's a process of daily di discipleship in the small mundane life issues so that when we get to the big issues, we've got some practice and we know what we're gonna do. And I wanna see if I could explain that to you with this thing right here. And I, I had some great debate as to whether or not I should show you this because I don't wanna leave the wrong impression that this is what the professionals do, okay? This is what I've done to help me understand how God wants to work in the mundane things so that when it gets time for the big decisions, I've got some practice. What I have in here are not diaries. These aren't diaries. 
these are 35 years of me daily, not always daily, sometimes there's weeks missing, but going to God and saying, here's a list of the things I'd like to bring to you before God. And I can tell you where they, like this one right here, I know this is from 1979, because I, I remember the book, I bought it in Sweden when we were there, Kollegiblok. I have no idea what that means, but that's what it is. And, I, and it's the colors of Sweden. And so I have all these different prayer journals in here that reflect all those years of asking God about the small things in life. And as I have learned to say, God, what about this list? And what about this day after day, year after year, I've learned that God will indeed teach me to number my days. I'm not suggesting that you have to write your prayers out. I'm suggesting, though, that as I've looked at Scripture and allowed God to teach me from Scripture, and as I have prayed on a regular basis, I've grown. And I understand a little bit more about how God wants to create a great adventure in my life. For example, I want you to listen to a, um, an entry from March 25th, 1992. Okay, it's a long time ago now, all right? More than coming up on 26, 27 years ago. March 25th, 1992, it was a Wednesday and it's 1.20 in the afternoon, okay? So how many years is that? Somebody help me out here, 1992. 24 years, no? Yeah, 24 years. I learned this week, this is me being really honest before God. I learned this week that Richard Bowman may leave First Christian Church to cater perhaps within the next few months, maybe 18 months out. Uh, and that's exactly what did happen, by the way. Les and I have chatted and wondered if this is to be our next home of ministry. It's an interesting thought. It seems, God, that our attention here or our hearts here in Tulsa are being directed away from Tulsa, and that's been going on since Christmas. This was written in March, so it would have been Christmas of 91. God, what does that mean? Lord, don't let us lose your will for our lives. Help us as a family to always follow your direction. If that means to move to Illinois, that's fine, Lord. But right now, help us to keep our concentration on you here in Tulsa in the meanwhile. And by the way, I pray, God, that if we are going to move, help us to prepare. And this is me. I mean, I'm 35 years old at this point, okay? What do 35-year-olds think about? I'm 35 years old and I say, God... I pray that you would help us to prepare for the financial ramifications of a potential move. It's in your hands, God. That's a big decision. It was a big moment in our lives when it really did come around about a year and a half later. But what I've learned is that I'm willing, if I'm willing to pray, God will be engaged. And what I've learned, and again, not because I'm the professional doing this, but because I'm doing life like you do life, that I'm creating a better story through God's engagement in my life by learning a little about God's character from Scripture and then being a person of prayer. So how do you do that today? Because I know many of you in the room are saying, well, Wayne, I don't have 35 years of prayer journals. I did, that's not been my habit. Fair enough. Well, I would suggest you need to today start with a new decision to get God engaged in, your, in the work of your life through the work of Jesus Christ. Pray this, God, teach me your wisdom. And then, God, as you teach me your wisdom, I'm willing to look and learn of your character. And so that when I think about things, I think about things the way you would think about them. We've got some ways to help you with that. 
If you want to learn more about scripture, there are these equipped classes coming along that, that you're, that you're going to hear about and that you've got in your bulletin today. Um, I want you to make certain you take a look at those. And then I want you to understand fully what happens as we grow in our understanding of who God is. And we put some time in, and as we pray, it goes back to Psalm chapter 90. Okay, so you've got this business, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And after he goes through and says, basically, Lord, I want, I want a better arc to the story of my life. Then he says, may the favor of our Lord rest upon us. God, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Friends, I'm convinced of this. Your work, your decisions, your story can be blessed by God through the work of Jesus Christ. And it can be a story that just goes beyond anything you can imagine. Let go of trying to create the flat line. I'm in charge. Come in and say, God, here's some slack. Here's some places in my life that I'm going to let you rule the day. And as I do that, I'm willing to take on the adventure. Now, in order to make this real for us today, we thought we should pray about this. And as as has been our habit in this series... I wanted to be certain that it didn't sound like, um, if you will, the professionals again praying and saying this is how we should pray, but more so that folk from our pews would voice the prayers rather than me do it or Brian do it. And so Amy Jackson's coming right now, and she's going to lead us in prayer as a layperson, uh, if you will, doing life like you and I do life. Let's listen. Join her in prayer. I invite you to pray at this time, please. Holy Almighty God, you are from everlasting to everlasting. Lord God, we invite your presence. We invite you into our lives, into our decisions, into the arcs of our life. Lord, we realize that those arcs and dips aren't always our choices. They're what life throws at us. But Lord, how we respond is a choice. Lord, as we grow closer and closer to you, We want your knowledge to direct our futures. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain those hearts of wisdom. Lord God, put in us a desire for your word that we may learn about the God who wants to know us intimately, who is intimately involved in our lives. Lord, with that involvement, we trust that you are going to direct our decisions. And Lord, as we look back, we see that many times our decisions have been willfully against what we knew would be your will. And we ask forgiveness for those times. We ask forgiveness for those times when we didn't even consult you. We didn't even think about it. Lord God, as as we wrestle with certain decisions of life, Lord, we trust that you are going to lead us in the path that you want us to go. And Lord, we, we just are anticipating a good outcome from that. And Lord, we know you are faithful. And times when we need confirmation on those decisions, we know that you give it to us. Lord, your word says that your sheep know your voice. Lord, we want to know your voice when it's telling us, this is my way, walk in it. And Lord, we give thanks that we have such a personal God who would be so intimately involved in the directions of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.